Welcome to Procurement Block, a podcast all about digital transformation in procurement and supply chain, and how blockchain, risk management, and change management all factor in. I'm your host, April Harrison, Marketing Director for Trust Your Supplier. I'm a procurement novice, eager to learn more from the people who are at the forefront of procurement innovation. On today's episode, I am being schooled by Kevin Jackson. With over 200,000 followers on social media, Kevin Jackson provides consulting and digital media services to leading technology companies, including Microsoft, AT&T, Intel, Ericsson, and IBM. He also serves as an adjunct professor at Tulane University. Executive experience includes vice president of JPMorgan Chase, IBM World Services sales executive, and SAIC Agility Director of Cloud Solutions. Kevin's education includes an MS in Computer Engineering, an MA in Strategic Studies, and a BS in Aerospace Engineering. Kevin is also a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author whose books include Click to Transform and Architecting Cloud Computing Solutions. Join us as Kevin and I discuss digital transformation for small businesses. Learn why it's important for small businesses to make this investment, what pitfalls to avoid, and the future of ordering food from a restaurant. Bon appetit. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Well, hi, April. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, this has been on my calendar for a few weeks now, and I've been excited to be be with you on this. This is a new podcast for you, right? It is. It is. I'm excited about the project, but also about speaking with you because I always have a good time when I'm talking with you. <laughs> yeah, mutual, mutual. I mean, we've been... We've been uh, working together for, uh, I guess, almost a year now, and it's uh, it's been great. Yeah, and you're such an interesting person, um, and I've given our listeners a little bit of your bio, but can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Oh, well, um, yeah, many, some people may not know that um, I actually worked on the uh, New Horizons spacecraft, the one who went to Pluto and took the picture of the heart. Really? <laughs> Oh yeah, I was, in the Navy. I was in the Navy and I worked at the Navy Space Technology Program on uh, spy satellites, to be to be honest. But when I retired, I uh, worked on a payload, uh, spacecraft payload processing project for NASA, where we were uh, uh, de- developed a, a wireless system that used a um, heads-up display and a wearable computer to uh, manage the processes and keep track of all the processes and steps needed to uh, process payloads on the shuttle. And it was also used for the New Horizons spacecraft for on the Atlas launch. And uh, that, was, that was pretty interesting, sort of an early look at the digitalization. I know we're going to talk a lot about that. Wow, spy satellite. So you're a real life James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) Stay behind the curtain, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. After that information, it seems a little silly to ask you this, but if you had one superpower, what would it be? And I think you've already. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the things I always talk about is the rapidity of change. One reason that business is so hard today is because it's not. It's not stagnant. Years ago, 50s, 60s, business, the world changed relatively slowly. 
And, you know, you would have people or executives in a company that did the same thing the same way for 10, 15, 20 years. And everything would be great because the business models didn't need to change. The audience didn't need to change. The, the products and services that were being delivered didn't change. Um, and, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it became really the mantra. But in today's world, change is rapid. Uh, over the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and, and today, you see change every day. And as a business, you have to recognize the changes in your customers and their wants and their needs. And a lot of this is because of the expansion of communication. Back in the day, you know, you didn't really care about what was happening in another country or um, and your, your television set was just about what was happening in your local area or in your state. You, you barely noticed what was happening in the country. I mean, you had three television stations and, uh, you know, the, the nightly news with Walter Cronkite. I'm giving off my age, but we interact internationally constantly over the internet, over social media. We can publish things to the world at zero cost. So we are learning more. And that means change is, is accelerating. And this change is good, <laughs> but it's hard to keep up with. So if I had a superpower, it would be to be able to stop time so that I can catch up to all the changes <laughs> that are occurring around my life and around business. I'm with you there. I have uh, two teenagers and their generation is considered digital natives. Yeah. And they laugh at me because some of the things that they watch or show me, it's it overstimulates me. You know, I'm like, wait, slow down, <laughs> slow down. I can't absorb it. <laughs> so that would be a really nice one. Kevin, not only am I a procurement novice, but I'm also lacking in knowledge about the needs of small businesses. Mm -hmm. So I need you to school me a bit on digital transformation within a small business. And let me start with a foundational question. What yeah. is digital transformation? So I see digital transformation as the reimagining of business in the digital age. And it's really a, a, a broad view. And it's, it's, it's really about thinking about the needs of society, the needs of an individual, and you as a, a business, how you fit in this changing society. So, so digital transformation really requires the overhaul of your internal processes, your operations and fundamentally your your customer relationships as well as your employee relationships so um it, it's processes and relationships with people but you have to keep in mind that these relationships these interactions now are more and more virtual so it's not face to face you can't shake the hand it's, you know, device to device. You've just put a couple of puzzle pieces together for me because 
when I see the words digital transformation, I immediately think technology. But you've just laid out how it's really about the relationships, whether it's with customers or employees. And it seems like then the way to connect is more digital now. Yes, that's really it. That's it. Digitalization is about relationships. It's about people. It's being able to initiate dialogue, um, continuous dialogue with the people that are important to you and to your business. Given that most tools are built Uh for enterprises, is digital transformation reachable for small businesses? Oh, absolutely, because digitalization is not about technology. It's really about your processes, understanding who your customers are, what they need, understanding the context that they are interacting with you within. You you need to really address the channels that you're interacting with, with your customers and employees, how to make it easy, easier for them to um, identify the products and services that you have and to place them within context of their needs. Because we're transitioning from, well, not transitioning from, but we're augmenting our physical world with the virtual world there will be some technology that need, needs to be used and leveraged, but it's the technology of everyday life. It's the it's the smartphone, right? Um, it's the it's the internet. Um, it's about interfaces to these mostly and mostly free capabilities. I mean, you don't need to pay to use Twitter, but it's a it's a perfect, one of the best conduits for um, interaction out there. So social media, those types of things are what we're looking at in terms of, quote, technology. (laughs) Right. It's the services, some of these technology services. It's not buying or, or building your IT infrastructure. In fact, that's the worst way to, to do it. Um, you want to leverage cloud services. Um, you need to, the, the, the way of consuming information technology today is through consuming IT services, not building your own data center. Gotcha. So with the, some of those relationships like to employees or to customers, uh-huh. what does that look like? So this is, that's a great question uh, because everyone always thinks about their customer, but what's more important is to make it easy for your employee to interact and deliver services to the customer from wherever they are. Over the past year, we've all experienced the, the big migration from offices to home, right? Yep. Uh, being able to uh, interact uh, with customers from home. Uh, what are your internal operational processes that allow your employees to easily address your customer needs and requirements? What are your internal business processes that manage 
the data and information that flow from your customer to your employee and to your business partners in your broader ecosystem. How do you protect that data? What about privacy? How are you transmitting that data, the channels that you're using? All of this is digitalization. I was thinking when you're talking about that, about how, you know, the the migration to home, I was thinking about in particular uh-huh. restaurants and how they had to quickly adjust and start offering takeout. Yeah. I'm imagining there was a lot of process and relationship changes to to get customers <laughs> and, and their employees used to that new oh, way of doing wow. business. That's a great example because when you think about small business, uh, uh, a restaurant, you know, sort of is the epitome of small business, right? And when COVID happened, restaurants really had to do a hard shift from on-premise support of their customers to delivery and takeout. So so think about the channels they had had to absorb. How can my customer order food over their smartphone? They're, They're not going to be sitting in my restaurant and looking at a physical menu anymore. So I got to think about the the app the apps. Okay, what do I put on the menu? I may need to have different items. How do I design the menu so that it's easier to interact with? What type of phone will my customers have? Do they have you know, iPhones, do they have Androids? I mean, what about the internet and bandwidth? Everyone doesn't have broad broadband. Um, so all of these things is really thinking through digitalization, right? How do yes. you order? How, how do you take the money? Do you use credit cards? You can't put cash in the smartphone. But and, and, and it's really easy to, to, to look at delivery and takeout, right? But restaurants also leverage digital to provide better service to on-premise diners. I remember, and, and I saw it more overseas, and, but now it's really becoming prevalent in the United States also. If you any at an airport and you go to a, a restaurant at the airport, there's all the tablets sitting on the on the tables and you sit at the table and you you basically do a QR code scan of your ticket. So now they know what flight you're on and you can order your meal right there from the table. You can pay for it by swiping your, your credit card. The first time you see a wait staff is when they're delivering your drink. And yeah. they deliver your food. Okay. So you do everything from the table. What is that? It's digitalization, right? Yes. And it provides better service to your on-premise diners. It also helps to address many of the staffing challenges that these restaurants are having right now. And uh, it also in- improves uh, cleanliness and safety. 
So digitalization has a lot of value through these small businesses. Yeah, I never really thought about that, helping with the staffing shortages. I think there were some other relationships that had to be developed if we stick with the, the kind of the restaurant mm-hmm. sample is that there are now all these delivery services, right? right? That people can go on and order and get the food delivered. So it's not just pizza you can get anymore. You can pretty much get delivery from any restaurant you want. Absolutely. So the, the whole uh, business ecosystem expand dramatically, right? So how do you interact with you know the DoorDashes or the Uber Eats, okay? It's digitally. So you have to have the channel, you have to have the communication, you have to have the ability to uh, communicate with those extended business partners. So a small business has a very broad ecosystem as well. For those small businesses that are at the beginning of their digital transformation, what does that look like? Is it a big bang approach or is it more of a phased rollout? Well, it's, it's definitely a phased rollout because your environment is different, your context is different. So what works well for another company, small business or big, may not work for you. You know your customers, you know how they view and leverage your products and services. And so you need to think about your own not just your internal processes, but your external processes and what other business partners you may need and how you will transition from your existing manually intensive activities to be to digital activities and digital interaction and then do it step by step. Every step you will learn more and once again change is constant so um, if you do a big buying two months from now and everything you put in place may be obsolete that's so, a good point <laughs> just like my phone right <laughs> my phone's yeah, obsolete like as soon as i phone. take it out of the box <laughs> <laughs> with this digital transformation is it even possible for a small business to not go through digital transformation at this point So if you are not implementing a digital transformation for your your organization uh, right now, you are basically committing suicide to your business. (laughs) So it is necessary. It's not sufficient, but it's necessary. Right. And and I'm sure that looks different depending on what industry you're in or or what, what your business provides services. But in this day and age, something is necessary it sounds like digitalization reduces the cost of delivering products and services a lot of people are scared because they think you need a lot of capital to buy the technology in order to digitize but that's far from the truth you don't in today's modern world you don't buy hardware and software you you try to avoid hiring you know people and staff to run that IT infrastructure you you consume IT services and it's on a pay as you go basis where you 
you only use it when you need it, when you're actually serving customers and getting revenue to cover the cost. So it, it reduces your cost and it also increases your profit margin. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's it sounds like it's definitely cost effective. And even as you mentioned earlier, with the example of the wait staff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, reducing your cost in that way as well. There's a lot, a lot of way. And people say, well, you're replacing people with technology. In some ways, you replace the old tasks that people do uh, with the technology, but then you free those people to do what people do best. And that's think, imagine, reimagine, and, and build those relationships. You know, I'd rather have a person, the the chef out in my restaurant interacting with my customers than stuck in the back kitchen, you know, uh, because they have to work back there. I imagine too, it's kind of like uh, at some point the stagecoach driver was out of a job, but now we have um, taxi and Uber drivers. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You, I mean, the skill sets will change, definitely. Um, but uh, you're not replacing people anytime soon. So are there any uh, pitfalls or other issues that small businesses need to consider or be aware of? Well, the first thing is don't be afraid. Fear is the greatest challenge, overcoming the, the fear of change because it's required. But second is don't be fooled by the, the shiny objects. I mean, everyone's going to come at you with all types of the new tech this and the new way that. Too many of those not only can add up cost-wise, but then you can also spend a lot of your time managing those tools rather than working on your core competency, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, you, you you got it right. You spend more time working on the tools than actually leveraging and using the tools or and you don't get any value from them. So, Kevin, for those of us new to procurement and digital transformation, do you have any advice or tips that you would be willing to share, something practical that we can try at work or at home? Well, earlier I talked about the fact that digital transformation is really about relationships. It's about building and maintaining your relationships, augmenting your physical relationships with virtual relationships. The practical tip is your relationships form your network and your network is the most valuable thing you have in in business and digitalization actually is broadening your network it's no longer just the people that you can interact with physically you've broadened the people that you may interact with physically every once in a while but you can interact virtually uh, on a daily basis. And it's even broader than that. The people that you will never physically interact with, but you can still interact with them on a daily basis. So the practical tip is to recognize the power of your network and to build, cultivate, and actively manage that network. Uh, Social media is one of the most powerful 
tools that you have uh, in business and in your personal life. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's good advice, as you said, not just professionally, but personally as well, because mm-hmm. there's all times we need a, a network behind us supporting us. Yeah, you can't do anything alone. There's always, I mean, those that go at it alone are almost always fail. You have to rely on others. Yeah, you know, my big takeaway, I think, from our conversation is despite the fact that we're in 2021 and we have all this technology, business still boils down to relationships. <laughs> yeah, people do business with people they like. And you like somebody based upon shared experiences. Now, I mean, in the old days, that shared experience had, had to be physical. But today, that's no longer the case. Think about COVID. It's the, it's the first time that we had a global event that everyone experienced in essentially the same way and that we could discuss it in real time on a global basis. I mean, that's, that's powerful. Every, you know, that, that's powerful. Yeah, it really is. The same shared experience is, is very powerful. You're right. And thank goodness for technology that helped keep us connected through that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and don't forget the technology that gave us the vaccines. Hallelujah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel like I also want to talk with you at some point more on that whole uh NASA and, and spy satellites. <laughs> <laughs> Since you've retired from that, um, what projects do you have on the horizon and where can our audience uh, find you to follow and connect? Actually, I'm working on a new project called uh, Fun Black Tech. You know, the, the American dream of uh, rags to riches stories where, you know, you come up with an idea, you go out and and, and get money and you create this new business and become a multi-billionaire, right? Uh, Yep. (laughs) Well, for brown and black Americans, sometimes even their greatest efforts are not proportionally rewarded because they don't don't have access to resources. That's, That's one thing. But you say, well, a lot of people don't have access to resources. But it, it, it's also, there is a, uh, a sparsity of examples. There's a lack of generational wealth that could help black and brown Americans realize their dreams. And from a societal point of view, many of them have had to focus on safety as opposed to following their dreams. Absolutely. Um, So there is a big scarcity um, of black and brown entrepreneurs in technology. And there are trillions of dollars that flow through banks that are invested in young white entrepreneurs. But this is contributing to a widening racial wealth gap. So and black and brown tech entrepreneurs actually don't get the opportunity. One particularly jaw-dropping statistic is that the United States as a government has a program called the SBIR, Small Business Innovative Research, and they give tens of millions of dollars to uh, a year to young startups with great ideas uh, just so they can figure out if that idea would, would work, right? 
less than 1%, less than one half of 1% of those funds go to black or brown entrepreneurs. Why? Wow, <laughs> wow that's staggering. Why? All right. There are ideas, ideas don't know the color of your skin. So, but investors do. So I'm, I'm, we're looking to try to raise 100 million for um, uh, black entrepreneurs. So fun black tech, you'll, you'll see that coming. So you could catch me on uh, Twitter at Kevin underscore Jackson or on LinkedIn and my podcast, Digital Transformers through Supply Chain Now. Thank you for sharing um, all of that information and for schooling me on digital transformation for small businesses. I've learned a lot and I definitely feel like I need to go now and reach out to somebody on my network just to say hi. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the inspiration. All about your people. You know, don't forget the, the, the people in your, in your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kevin, thank you again, and um, I hope to talk to you sometime soon. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. Bye, Kevin. Bye. That's it for this episode of Procurement Block. I'd like to thank our guest, Kevin Jackson, for joining me on the show. Procurement Block is produced by Trust Your Supplier. You can reach us at procurementblock.com. Show notes are available on our website, and you can leave your questions and comments via the listener comment form. Thank you for learning with me today. I'll leave you with wise words from Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest.